Professor Bryn Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash the vulnerable scientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. Can we talk about that? The need to support a woman who wants to, because this was an opportunity to get her a PhD. Can you talk about I, uh, you as a man I, supporting that? Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know, disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, it can work for you or against you. Mm-hmm. Because be- before then, I was in a relationship and I was leaving for my master's. And so that went terribly wrong because my my other half at that time was not willing to leave uh, Kenya. And so I was like, I, I, I'm also willing to come back, but then because of that long distance thing, it didn't really work well. But for this, I guess, uh, as I said, it can backfire, but then it can also work for you. But I, I, I'm also of the opinion that you don't need to hold somebody down just for you to get what you want, you know. Well, you, you, you can't be having a relationship if your partner is grumpy, you know. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they have to follow their dreams. In, in yeah. the end, I do say it's like going to the gym. You know, it's it's your personal growth. It's mm-hmm. and if you can't grow and be satisfied by you, with yourself, then you basically have nothing to offer. So you, you you are empty and you're expected to give much back. So I, I I normally say when it comes to career, and I mean ladies get so many pitfalls more than men. Mm-hmm. I mean you take a break to. To, to take care of children or you take a break to, to, for maternity, you know, you take a break, uh, to go when your, your child falls from the, the swing, you know, mm-hmm. it's m- most of the time it's the lady that is making this sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And I guess also even God will not reward you if it's just your career that is just taking a you know a, a rocket exit from uh, to space and then mm. someone else is left behind yeah 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 i love that i love that anyway so in that aspect uh, i think yeah i i chose and it it was a conscious decision that wherever she had an opportunity i was going there and i was going there after one year and you ask me why one year? Because both of us had to find a footing. She had to go down there to the University of Adelaide and see if it's something that she was going to do. And I had to set our finances in order, you know. 
there's something I've, I've realized. Like, for you, it's important for you to see that the, the place that you're going is conducive for you. It's not like if you get an opportunity, you jump and you say, I'm going to hold on to this opportunity because it's the only thing that I can get. For you, it's like, is this good for me? Yes, it's a good opportunity, but is it good for me? As in, I like that you question that. Yeah, I mean, even in my current place, I I remember and I I didn't leave the previous place in the best of terms, in terms of like, that's where I was experiencing most of the things that I didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I remember this one day that they come and they say, oh yeah, we, we are going to risk uh, restructure a few things here and I think we can uh, make your position with us a bit more, you know, with more leadership and all that. And then when they, they finished saying that, and I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I wasn't planning on renewing my contract. And then you could see that the moods change and everything. But then at least I was clear. I'm like, I'm not renewing, but I also don't know where I'm going next. <laughs> wow, like you just leave things not knowing. Like, you know, you know, for us, most people would maybe hate their jobs or they would maybe hate even even the relationships. And they, they would like hang on to it, just waiting for another opportunity so that they don't have that gap where they don't know where they are. Like... They feel like they need to be somewhere, and I, I would understand that. But for you, you, you like I'm done, and you're not <laughs> you're not sure where you're going next. But you're done, and yeah, you're done because you happens. you completed. You, you see, oh sorry, you you see, you, you're not leaving your duties uh, halfway through or undone. Yeah. You, you you put in your hundred percent the last day. It's mm-hmm. it's your job in the end. But you already know that you're not going to renew that contract. So you've made peace with it. So in most of these scenarios, I've I've already made my peace. And if there are two or more people in that place that I trust, they already know. Yeah, so even when you're, you're doing your last day of work, you just say, hey, if you are planning to do something for my send-off, please don't. I I'm really, really just want to get finished with this and this and that. And there are things you will take a stand and then you're like, I will not do this. But then sometimes, we, I mean, it will be wrong if you left with your contract halfway, you know, then they have to start interviewing and all that. So that's why you have the first six or so months to decide because the probation, people think probation is for your employer only. It's also for you as an employee. Mm-hmm. I love that you said that. That's a very. I, I love that you're bringing this into this uh, show. Um, we don't talk about the importance of of seeing yourself as a as a valuable thing in an employer employee kind of relationship. We see the employer as the most important part of that. We don't see ourselves as valuable and. Even in making decisions, we fear them and we. We kind of stay in very toxic places, or I don't know. 
Yeah, so when, when, when you're given that contract and you're signing, if you read it carefully, it says this is the time when you evaluate whether you're comfortable with your position there. Yeah. And for your employer, it's the time they evaluate whether you can do what you promised that you will do. Yeah. yeah. That's an important message. So is that, um, so you've gotten this position, that's another high, the, the high that you're talking about where... Yeah, like the, 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 how the whole process went uh, so in terms of like... Um, you, you you already set your one year boundary and you've told these guys you're like yeah I know your position is heaven but one year I'm I'm, I'm out I, I I have a life to build somewhere else mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the, you, you, when you were giving these promises you already knew that you were going under your partner's visa and work your way out of that but then there is this opportunity that you kind of it's like it just falls there so there's a friend who sees an opportunity tells you hey look at this and then you decide to have a conversation and then they're like okay we don't worry we will put this uh, at the director's desk and see how it goes and then the next thing you're getting is a contract and then they are requiring you to do all the visa things and all that. And they are, now they are taking you on a work visa, which is more more suited for you as an uh, 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 like as an expatriate than being under your partner, because then you will be under student visa. When you're not a student, you have restrictions on how long you can work and all that. But then now you have. A visa with full working rights. Somebody is helping to um, move your stuff, <laughs> pay for your ticket, uh-huh. and relocation, whatever. I don't know what they are called. <laughs> yeah, so so somebody is now taking on the burden of relocating you. This is not something that you had in mind. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you had other plans, and then somebody is rearranging your plans in a better way. You know. Uh-huh. So that, that was one of the highs as well. And the other one was uh, when I applied for, so this is a step back during my PhD, I applied for this uh, funding. It's called the Terramuren Grant. And it's uh, offered by the government uh, of the Netherlands, one of the ministries there. And so they give you... First, you get, I think, like uh, 1,500 euros to kind of do like a pre, pre-visit to a lab anywhere in the world where you want to be and they are willing to have you so that you can do your research there and then work with like these ex- uh, experts that you've always wanted to work with and, and all this. So I, I used that uh, pre-visit thing to go to the Sanga Institute and I met this uh, nice professor there. He's uh, called uh, Professor Stephen Bentley mm-hmm. at the Sanga Institute. And so through this relationship, then I applied now for this grant, which was supposed to cover um, working and living expenses. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. 
so they cover the living expenses and um, just to be able to work abroad for up to one year so i i, I got this uh this uh, term rent grant and so i'm here in the uk and just doing science in the best of places so the, those are the places where you actually just, uh, I, I normally say it this way, the, the, the places that just, uh, they, they mold you, they're they too big that you just feel small and you, you have room to grow, you know. <laughs> so one of those places was this Sangai Institute, working with all those scientists from the Cambridge University. And I got to meet also a very interesting network of Kenyans. Uh, I think uh, Dr. Francis Wamonje, and I, I, I met a couple of people there. I actually met uh, is it some Samolo, the, the Oyo, Oyola. So he's at, at Iri as well. Yeah. So I met all these people there, and I also met uh, other Kenyans who are still working abroad. And we get to share these experiences and they help you grow also as a scientist. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> well, Sorry. I was the one I was the one holding it in. <laughs> anyway, so that, that that was one of the other highs like in this career when you know, you, you, you get that excellent opportunity, you apply for this competitive funding. And somebody just gives you a million plus and they're like, yeah, go do some good science. And you're not a scientist, then you're a student. <laughs> yeah. That's a big high, especially for scientists. Especially younger, when you're, you know, younger in the field. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, yeah. so another high. Yeah, there is a, a, a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, so, but we, we can dive into some specifics that you probably may may want to know. But, uh, in terms of highs, I also, like, uh, I mean, I, I got to go to two world-class institutions that are, like, more centered to bio bioinformatics which was my field of interest so that there is the Sangha Institute and then there is the UC Santa Cruz so those are the guys if you they are famously known for the genome browser so their genomics institute you know I I got to work with some world-class individuals and even just getting uh, an opportunity to just interview and get a position with uh, institutions like the Imperial College London. This is like a top 10 institution in the world, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> among the yeah. top 10 institutions. So they were working with the GSK, you know, they, these are all highs that, you know, <laughs> you get to highlight even in a CV and you, you feel good. <laughs> So, um, you're a bioinformatician right now. Uh, how, yes. How you you mentioned something that you wanted to do bioinformatics. How uh, I wanted to do biochemistry. To okay. Uh-huh. So I wanted to do biochemistry, and so after I graduated and went through that whole working in the lab and all that, 
I honestly never liked it. So this is that after was also like yes. So then I had options. I I could either go to like medical representative. I think I interviewed for only one of those jobs. And when they told me the salary, I was like, uh, I, I probably, no. nah, I think it was 36,000 at the time. And I mean, I, I was into photography and I was like, I hmm. can make that in a weekend. Wow. <laughs> it's okay. Didn't know it's about not that, that silly. <laughs> you did yeah, photography I, I, when you were in uni. Yes, and even beyond. I even when I was doing my masters, most of the mm-hmm. times I could come back to Nairobi, and uh, I think when I when when I came from the U.S. and so the transition between the U.S. Uh, that one way ticket and going to the Netherlands, the I, I did a lot of photography in between there, and the the next opportunity that I got to go back to the Netherlands, I I had interviewed uh like over the phone when i was in the u.s mm-hmm. and then i thought oh yeah they probably just forgot or they found somebody so mm-hmm. i came back and then one day i think i we went to cover the graduation of the kmtc karen mm-hmm. and i remember this day very well because it was raining a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> so the the graduation is over you know the, the traffic that you get from graduation yeah. You know, if you recall your graduation afterwards, yeah. that mm-hmm. traffic. Yeah. So, and then I received this phone call and I'm like, who, who, who will be calling me at this hour? So mm-hmm. I, like, practically forgot that I set up that meeting and all. So when I got this phone call, mm-hmm. so I'm in the traffic, my old car, and it's raining, it's noisy. I'm like, what, where do I take this call? <laughs> and then my, my brother looks at me and like, uh, maybe we can go to that. I think it's Kenya Institute of something. I think Kenya Institute of, uh, of Law. There is an institution in Karen in there. I think it's Institute of Law, Kenya uh-huh. Institute of Law. So we just, he said, oh, yeah, you can drive then. Maybe we can find a room where there are no students. So I mm-hmm. tell this guy on the other end of the call, I'm like, yeah, can you give me 10 minutes, please? He's like, yes, I'm calling in 10 minutes. And they can hear the chaos behind. <laughs> yes. The wow. So I drove all the way to that uh, institute. Like I drove like a madman. Then mm-hmm. I just stopped at the gate. And then I just, I didn't even get an umbrella. I just went with my phone. And then that, the, the guy, the, the, the security guard is like, Hey, are you okay? I'm like, uh, is there a room in here I can use to do an interview? And then they were so gracious. They even yeah. gave me a writing pad and uh-huh. a pen. Wow. And they let and me ask- use the security cubicle I, uh- to do that interview for the Netherlands. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> and it, these guys don't know you. The, uh, they don't know me. They just mm-hmm. trusted that I'm telling the truth. And mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that you see, that's a high moment, you know. You, you get this. You, we call them the small graces. <laughs> the, 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 the small just generosities of life. People just being 
at the right place at the right time. Even those are high moments when you have this grace, you know, you, you, you have these people you don't know, people, people you've never met, <laughs> but yeah. somehow they, they show you this grace. I mean, they, they, they have helped you get a job. <laughs> mm, yeah. 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 And they're not gaining anything from it in any way. No, no. But I, I think in the end, when we were leaving, I, 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 I was like, yeah, we need to give them some tea. <laughs> but, mm. Mm. but that was it. Was not something they were expecting. It's not something yeah. that they asked. It's just uh, the after yeah, because I was also from a, a nice gig. You know, you've covered the graduation. <laughs> you're, you're kind of you're kind of loaded for the day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a it's a nice gig. Anyway, so back to how I went into bioinformatics. So, um, when, during this uh, period between KU and Nairobi Pathology, so I I used to communicate with the doctor. Mark Wamalwa mm-hmm. and Dr. Steven Runo. So these are the people that actually kind of introduced me into this bioinformatics thing. <laughs> Magics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. So, because Mark was a, a trained bioinformatician, I think from South Africa, and yeah. he had also gone through Wageningen University, so he did his master's at, at Wageningen. Mm-hmm. So he's the one that told me about the program, and I mm-hmm. think uh, also uh, Runo kept mentioning that there is the intersect uh, between wet lab and computational biology, and I, I was kind of a nerd. I, I, I didn't know it, but I was because I, I used to even like put together my own computer and just mess with R and all those things. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what to do with it because I wasn't into computer science. So I was yeah. never trained as a computer scientist. I mm-hmm. did all these packages and stuff, but then there was this excitement. So like, whoa, so all this can come together. Mm-hmm. I can earn a living doing my biology on a computer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I want in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's how I got in there. And yeah, that's the the long short story. <laughs> okay, so um, so this is a Kenyan who's moving to. The West, okay. West, is it Western? Yeah, it's a Western world, yes. So, yeah, just tell us more about that. Um, How is it like? You have the excitement, I'm leaving, I'm going abroad, and then you get there, and then things now get real. You know, you're, you're in a class where you're almost guaranteed the oldest guy in there. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Unless there's someone else who came back to school after working. <laughs> yeah. And most of the courses you're taking, uh, like mm-hmm. the, they are considered prerequisites because mm-hmm. some of these kids did them in undergraduate. Yeah. So you, 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 
you're probably just doing them with uh, someone else who is transitioning to the field or and then maybe the next uh, in the when you go a step higher then you're gonna meet now the kids that transitioned from <laughs> this within the same course from undergrad mm. Mm. i mean and then the, the workload gets real you know you're told okay you'll be taking these courses two courses for this period and then mm. you're like oh yeah two i'm good Mm, but then too. you just you quickly you quickly realize that if you miss a single class you may as well just call it quit just wow. just save yourself some time and do something else <laughs> as in you you lose a lot just from losing one class. yes for, mm. for missing a single class so that's a one day of uh, of theory or practical you, you lose a lot Mm. you're missing like a, a whole quarter syllabus you know <laughs> mm. yeah and then you also quickly learn to like you you you, you get to realize that you know we we've been spoon fed a lot mm-hmm. mm. and which is something about uh our graduates i mean we we we, we know how to to do all this like um you, you cram and all that but most of the time we we so spoon fed and we've been taught to just is it regurgitated kind of take it in mix it up bring it back mm-hmm. so we are prepared to pass exams but not necessarily to just understand what is it that we're supposed to be doing and how are supposed so, to apply whatever you are learning in class. Yeah, so you, you quickly get to get these reawakenings. Mm. And then you get the culture shock and then homesick. And then you adapt and life moves on. And then at some point you realize that you, you left some people behind at home and then they... You, you, you also, we, we tend to forget that people can't just be sitting there waiting for you. People moved on, you know. Yeah. yeah. You come for a holiday and then you realize, oh, it's not, it's not about you. So, <laughs> so you, you, you have to start following different dynamics, you know. Mm. And you also realize quickly mm. that, uh, even those that you think, uh, have your interests, they don't. They probably because you're the one calling. If you don't call for two weeks, nobody will check in on you. Mm. Yeah. So. Wait, at that time, there was WhatsApp. At that time, you were doing a massage. No, we used to use a a, a program called Viper. Mm -hmm. And then there was... uh, of course, the G Gmail thingy, the Google Voice, there was one of those. Mm-hmm. And then there was all the applications for voice over internet protocols, mm-hmm. VoIP. Mm-hmm. So that there was so many means of uh, getting to connect with people. I mean, there was Facebook and all that. So, But Facebook didn't have a call or video function when we were trying. It was just a chat. But so, it was still okay. So voice, you used uh, Viper, and mm. later on, then all these other applications came in. Viper is a bit uh, purple. I think I've used it. Yes, sure. that one. 
so you're trying to say that it was like when you move out, uh, the connection to your where you come from is kind of cut. People. Uh, yes. So you, you, mm. you know that is a, an assumption that we we. I think it's it's a Kenyan thing. You, you mm. think like if you are friends with somebody, you are attached by the hip. You know. Mm-hmm. You, you you kind of go, you're going through your struggles and you forget that your classmates that you left in Nairobi are also mm. going through their struggles. struggles they, yeah. they, they are trying to find that internship that is mm. never coming or they, you know. And you, you quickly settle into this routine of expecting that when you call, you know, you will find somebody on the other side. Mm. It's... And that's, you get to learn quickly to just live your own life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was lonely. That's what you're trying to say, right? It is. You're lonely, but not alone because you have all this group of people that you met oh, there. Yeah. But yeah. in terms of, yeah. Okay. In terms yeah. of familiarity, you're lonely because mm. how long does it take? to create actually an actual relationship with somebody. Yeah. I mean, the first 10 seconds are important, but <laughs> most of the time you will, you will need to understand what they are about. They are also mm-hmm. doing the same, yeah. <laughs> understanding what you are about before you invite them to your, <laughs> to, to your doorstep, you know? Yeah. 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 Otherwise they're just colleagues you meet there mm, yeah, at work it. or their classmates you meet at class. And they are Kenyans you meet at the Kenyan party. <laughs> mm. 